On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are starting off with what could possibly be the best game of the year, where the Baltimore Ravens came back and beat the Cleveland Browns. It was back and forth, so we've got a lot to talk about, including the cramps from Lamar. Are we buying cramps? I don't know. We've got some theories out there that we're going to float by. Then we look to the NFC East where three out of the four teams got a win, and the only team that did not was my New York Giants. That leaves the Washington football team certainly in the driver's seat, so we're going to break that down. And then we go into our picks. Once again, nobody messaged us about Megan Cazalay's picks. Well, guess what? She delivered winners. So if you want some winners, message us on Twitter, hit us up, and we'll give you access to her picks. We've got a lot of crossfires once again on the table. Some really good matchups this week, including some Saturday football. So stay tuned. we got a lot coming up. This is episode number 91 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host as always. Joining us tonight are NFL insider Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we're in the full swing of December here, and the playoff picture is formulating. Uh, um, you know, we're getting some candidates for Coach of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, can cash some future bets. So excited about the final three weeks of the season. Obviously got fantasy playoffs and uh, our pool, which, you know, has been an up and down roller coaster. You, you rode it all the way almost to the top this week, right, Kaz? Yeah, this this past weekend, a lot of things happened. We'll, we'll address it because our other guest tonight, our Patriots beat reporter who's living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How are you doing tonight, Bill? I'm doing well, boys. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, it's kind of a crazy weekend last weekend. I uh, was able to hit some bets though. So always nice coming out positive. Um, and excited to talk about, you know, not only the, the bills pick, which was probably my favorite uh, in terms of how that turned out. Um, but some of the other ones too, I feel like we had some good head to head matchups that, uh, ended up uh, coming out pretty equal. Yeah. We'll get to the crossfires, but I would just like to selfishly address my situation. Going into Monday Night Football, I had a chance to win, as Coulter, you were saying, our pool. All I needed was Cleveland to cover, which was, I think, a half a point. So basically, you know, win the game, but stay under 48 points. Well, they gave up 47. I lose that. I lose the pick. I lose the week in our pool. And the icing on top of it is I'm playing our very own Bill Hughes in fantasy week one in the playoffs. I needed a miracle. I needed 28 points, I think, from Nick Chubb. And all of a sudden, after the first half, we were were going back and forth on text. I thought I might have had you, but came up 1.5 short. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, that was one of the – it it was a six-calls Nicky game for me just because I had Nick Chubb in one playoff game, and I was going up against Nick Chubb in another playoff game, and I needed to hit that sweet spot of over nine, under 23. And, yeah, I slid in just under the wire. I mean, it would have been one of those things that would have been horrified if you had uh, if you had beat me just because I would have won the other one. But, yeah, that game was wild. I mean, I, I think it might have been the game of the year. I mean, I don't know uh, in terms of offensive 
back and forth late. I mean, it was up there as one of the best games we've seen so far uh, this season. Um, and I think, you know, maybe the Browns are for real, but obviously, obviously the Ravens are not dead yet. And it's a team that's got some guys. Um, I mean, we can talk about what happened with Lamar. I think that was kind of a funny thing for him to immediately distance himself from Paul Pierce. But, um, but I think that was a crazy scenario. You know, you had McSorley go down and literally as he's going down, it's fourth down and here comes Lamar running off the sideline. So, um, great game. And, uh, yeah, I lost some money on that one, but, uh, you know, it was fun one. I do want to go there because I tweeted instantly. I said, there's no way Lamar's got cramps. He had to take a shit. I just don't have enough Twitter followers that, you know, I'm not going to get credit for that one. But I started watching that and it, it you know, piled on. Hughes, we both played football. We've seen guys, you know, have to use the bathroom middle of games. That oh, was yeah. like not a guy running with cramps. That was a guy who just had to take a shit. Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think in, in absolutely. I think he is sick, too. I think is what he mentioned after the game. He has a cold or something. I mean, colds don't really give you cramps. Colds give you the shits. And I think it's pretty clear that that's what happened during the game. I mean, you saw how he was running in there. Uh, and, he, you know, I think he did get an IV. I do believe him there. I mean, I'm not saying he's lying, but he definitely had to go to the bathroom. I mean, I think that that was crystal clear. Yeah. You can play through a no doubt. You can't, you can't play through, you know, pooping your pants. So, yeah. Seriously. And a guy with cramps doesn't run like that to the locker room. Now, changing gears or a little bit. Or run out of the locker out. room. Or like run out. Right. right. Exactly. You know, we've gotten IVs. That doesn't just cure you like that. But anyway, uh, let's stick with that game because that was wild. Coulter, you you and I, uh, I think we were all texting earlier that you're, you know, riding the, the Browns defense in your fantasy. I am as well. Do you think that? No, I'm going against it. I'm going against oh. both leagues. I got oh. guys going against me. Yeah. Okay, good for you. I'm I'm still on the Browns train. They're playing my Giants this weekend, so uh, I'm I'm rolling the dice with them. But do you think? I, let's obviously stay with that game. More of uh, an indictment on the Browns' defense, or is as Hughes was saying, the Ravens are are here, and you know that offense is, is something to, to be reckoned with. I mean, I need to see it more from the Ravens than just thinking that Monday night and a you know a high scoring affair that got out of hand pretty quickly say that their offense is all the way back. And I should mention that I'm going against the Browns defense in fantasy. I obviously like the matchup against Jones, his hamstring you know, issue. It's all there. And, you know, everybody knows the storyline as to why the Browns are being picked up in fantasy. But it, as for Monday night's concern, I don't think that the Ravens offense is still a one dimensional offense. It's run he- heavy. Uh, I still don't buy their pass defense or their pass offense. I think a few of those big plays are broken plays, busted coverages, and I don't trust the Browns uh, defense. I mean, they've given up, was it 75 plus points in the last six quarters? They've given up a ton of points uh, this time of year. You can't do it. And I think they're getting way too comfortable playing in shootouts and it's going to uh, bite them eventually. If not this week against your giants, it will eventually you're going to lose a game where you think like, Oh, we can just keep scoring and the other team, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't really buy that Browns defense right now at all. Yeah. So I did. Could use. Well, I was going to say, I think Denzel Ward's coming back this week. That will help the defense. They've definitely been down a couple of guys. Um, and I do agree. I, I don't think, I think that there was the, the Hollywood Brown catch touchdown on that fourth down was clearly something busted on the defense. It wasn't even a contest, uh, but that was just such a bizarre play. Um, so I do think that the Browns and they kind of get on their heels. I don't know. It's like a weird scenario. Part of it, I think is that they haven't been there before. They don't really know how to answer the bell once things start rolling down the hill. Um, but they, I thought they did play well at times on defense during that game. Like I didn't think like they bottled Lamar up a lot. I thought they got to the quarterback well early. Um, but again, I think, you know, they clearly were not great against the run. 
Um, and you know, at the end of the game, I mean, it was just, I think they were just playing not to lose, you know what I mean? Like it was just like one of those, one of those deals where it was almost like both teams were in prevent defense and it was just like, you know, warm knife through, through butter. I mean, it was crazy. Um, even that, that Baker drive, like they scored too fast. Like I, yeah. I, was like, I thought the game was over and then all of a sudden here comes and it's like, Oh my God, they left too much time on the clock. Like, how's that possible? So yeah, it was a weird, weird finish, but I mean, a cool game. So fancy again, put, pulling the numbers, uh, going for two, loved it, worked out for him too. I mean, that's, I think that's the exact scenario that we talked about with the Doug Peterson thing that killed everybody on the line a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that's exactly the math right there. You get the two point conversion there. You kick, a, you kick the extra point for the win. If you don't, you got a 50, over 50% chance of getting it the next time. Um, and they'd also missed an extra point, kind of like Parky, you know, Parky had missed kind of similar uh, to that uh, Eagles game early in the year. So I thought there was a lot of parallels there, but um, tough for this Stefanski bet. I mean, that was a great game by him. I mean, great offense by the Browns uh, and, and Baker. I mean, like, again, seizing the moment to a certain extent, um, even though that pick was terrible. It was bad, but you know, Coulter, we talked about the Ravens offense before. And I think the biggest indictment on the Browns in that game was that they couldn't jump out to a lead. And what we saw was the Ravens jumping out to the lead and playing the style that they prefer to play, which established the run, let Lamar run. It creates chaos. And then from there, it opens up the pass game. It, I don't even know what you do if you're playing against the Ravens where they jump out to that lead. That that's exactly what they want. I, I mean, we saw the Browns do, I think, as much as you could do it when the Ravens are clicking like that, do you think the Ravens can keep that up Coulter? Like, is that that offense where we can see that? Or do you think they're going to run into a situation that we saw last year in the playoffs uh, against the Titans, where if they get down, they're just, they're screwed. Yeah. I mean, you know that I'm not uh, pro Lamar Jackson being in a deficit situation. I think that's a home run spot. I mean, how many times have I texted you guys? Oh, Lamar's down. Let's get in the live betting. Um, I absolutely think history can repeat itself. This is a, I mean, look at their schedule. If you go through their games, the games that they've won, the ones that if you mark them off as quote unquote, significant wins, they have been front running the entire time. This is a front running team. It has been ever since Lamar Jackson walked through the door. I'm not trying to besmirch him. He's a great player. He does a couple of things that are really, you know, he excels in a couple of areas and he obviously doesn't excel in other areas. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't trust this guy in a playoff game where they're down seven or 10 points. Um, and I, I don't trust them in the playoffs period, because I feel like every team in the AFC can go up on them. And their defense is a little bit thin in the secondary. And as we were just talking about Baker Mayfield, it's like he starts getting comfortable throwing the ball. I feel like there's every single passer uh, in the AFC. I feel like can, can thrash that secondary. And if they're down, that's an ugly situation for that offense because they're totally not comfortable if they're, if they're a possession or two behind. Well, do you think that there's any uh, team that they can play in a shootout with? Like, for instance, we know the Chiefs can flip a switch and, and score 40 and give up 35 and get the win. Uh, the Bills kind of strike me as a similar team. Do you think that they can hang in those kind of shootouts, uh, given what we've seen? Or do you think that still is a, an advantage to teams like the Chiefs and, and maybe the Bills? Well, I mean, I clearly think they hung around with Balt. I mean, uh, with Cleveland the other night, and, and that was a shootout. So, I mean, I, I can't say they are incapable of doing that, but I wouldn't put my money on it. Um, you know, I would, I'd put my money much more on what happened last year with them in Tennessee, where they get behind, then they start looking confused on the sidelines, and then it's just like the fire drill is like, how do we come back? We don't know how to come back because we haven't really done that yet this year. We still have not. I mean, name me a game where they've came back and I'll stop talking. Yeah. Where they where uh, they have figured it out other than this past game on Monday night, which was totally wonky. I don't think you can consider that like a true comeback. 
in the, in the sense of the word comeback. I just don't, I haven't seen it from this team. And until I do, I'm going to keep betting against it situationally heading into a week and during the games. I agree. Yeah. Now before I'm, I was going to say one more thing too. I was going to say, I'm interested to see the Gus Edwards thing. Like I thought he played really well in that offense. I thought he gave them a little bit more toughness. I mean, I think you used to get that from Ingram. I don't think you have recently. Um, I think, and I think that that's, you know, really going to come be their identity is that they're going to have to pound people with some of their running backs. And I thought Gus Edwards did emerge a little bit. Interesting fantasy play for people probably could go from a lot to a little, Um, you know, he's one of those kind of plays, but um, I thought he, I thought he did add something to that offense that maybe we hadn't totally, I mean, we've seen it before, but like that they just, you know, they, they had something going there. I think maybe that was the spark, the Lamar thing, but I do agree. I think Hollywood Brown had, I mean, up until that one catch that was kind of wide open, I mean, terrible drops. He's been nowhere all year. Um, Some of the guys that they really relied on just haven't been there. Yeah. And if those guys don't come back, there's no way they're hanging with the chiefs or the bills or even the Steelers, in my opinion. Um, Because I just think those teams know how to win more than, you know, like maybe the Browns do. And I love the the Titans and the Titans. Yep. 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 Yeah. No, I think, yeah, totally agree. A lot of points can be put up there now. And quite frankly, I think the Colts, uh, their biggest weakness is their secondary. I think playing the Ravens, I think they match up actually quite well against uh, Baltimore. I know Baltimore beat them in their house, but if that was a a wild card weekend game, I wouldn't even give Baltimore an edge against that team. And I don't even, I'm not even that big of a fan of the Colts. And I still think the Colts are better than the Ravens. Interesting. But before we move off from that game, we've got to talk about the bad gambling beat because honestly, I didn't even see it because I knew my fantasy matchup was over if that game does not go to overtime. So I see Justin Tucker line up for a 55-yard field goal. I literally walked out of the room. I was like, it's done. My wife comes in. She goes, oh, guess what? They ended with a safety. I was like, that's not possible. How did that happen? It happened, and it not only happened, it flipped the three. So if you bet the Browns plus three, oh, oh. Do you think think the NFL encourages teams to do the multilateral thing at the end of the game so they can can swing spreads and get these kind of stories? Because, I mean, if you think about it, that spread story was as talked about as any part of that game, even though the game was really exciting. It was a great game. Plenty of storylines to talk about. Yeah, that that kind of dwarfed it, at least in the immediate reaction to the game. This stupid dinky play where the guys are lateraling the football 20 times and it ends up in the end zone. And, and don't get me wrong, I get why it was in the news. I mean, I loved it. Like, it's it's why we do this podcast. But it's it's also very funny to me that, like, in, throughout this whole game, there were excellent plays. And one we're talking about is a stupid, like, <laughs> they're lateraling it back 50 different times. And as you just said, how did they even get the ball to the end zone? The play yeah. started at like the 25, 30 yard line. I couldn't, I, I too could not believe that it ended up as a safety. It was just so wild. Yeah, I, it was crazy. And I do think it's just one of those, that one in particular, I was like, how is it going to end up in the end zone? And then, you know, it just does. And it's like, it, it is kind of funny. Um, I was commenting during the game that I couldn't believe that Levy didn't have the awareness to talk about it in the moment because Again, you know, ESPN needs to do a better job of that. Uh, they have gambling shows on their network. They talk about spreads in certain shows. Like, the guys got to – because that was, you know, for the people that were still watching, like, that that did matter for the you know, for, for some purposes. But, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy play. And I, I would think that the NFL, you know, maybe doesn't encourage it. But at the same time, they probably love it because it does create a certain level of, you know, unknown that you just can't – you can't predict. You can know every – angle of the game you don't know that they're going to go ladder in the ball through the end zone on the last play and lose by five like it's just crazy. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't talk about it more either and i gotta lay it out to you guys what do you think was the worst gambling bad beat this or the seahawks eagles where peterson goes for two 
I personally think this Browns one is worse because you, you, what are the odds they keep running the lateral into the end zone, no less, and you get a, a safety, at least with the, the Eagles-Seahawks game, you see them coming lining up, so you've got at least a second or two to prepare, and you go, listen, this is a coin flip. I'm either covering this or I'm not. The laterals, though, Jesus, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I agree. With, I completely agree with your assessment. You saw the Eagles one coming, whereas the Browns one – Tucker makes the field goal. I think everybody in America was thinking, let's just go to bed. He made the field goal. And then it just turns into chaos on the one, the one play. Yeah. And anything could have happened too. Like, I mean, like any of those guys could have been, you know, could have taken a knee, could ball could have gone out of bounds. Like there were so many, there were so many laterals that it like, I mean, it just could have ended so many different ways. But then, yeah. The ref could have blown the whistle. Yeah. I thought. Unbelievable. So let's jump to the NFC East. Uh, I think the biggest story coming out of that three out of the four teams win the game this week, which is, you know, not something that happens very often in the NFC East this year uh, in Philly Hughes. We saw Hertz knock off the saints. I mean, what the hell is going on there? No one saw that one coming. Did you Nah. I mean, I was on the saints. I think we talked about the saints last week. Um, I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm situation. I didn't think the saints necessarily looked totally ready to play at the beginning of the game, but I also think Jalen hurts brings an element to that offense and maybe old Carson Wentz brought and maybe, you know, the offense worked a little bit better when you had a guy who could evade the pressure and wasn't going to get sacked. I think, I don't think he took any sacks. If I, I think that he ended up turning all the pressures into a really good net positive yardage. Um, he ran well. I thought he threw the ball. Well, uh, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but at the same time, it was, I feel like a little bit of what we saw from Wentz when he was on that kind of MVP run before he blew out his knee. And I did think maybe Doug hit a little bit more of a stride with the play calling. I thought, you know, again, I, I think that offense is really reliant on either a guy that's got an absolute howitzer and can just chuck the ball down the field. And they're going to just going to take a ton of shots like Foles did, or you got a guy who can kind of scramble around and make plays a la, you know, like Brett Favre ish or one of those types of gunslingers that Peterson's played with and is used to kind of coaching with. Um, and so I, I, again, I thought they looked different, uh, but I also do think the saints didn't look great. I didn't think that they played well on defense. Um, I, you know, Malcolm Jenkins comes in, he's got a lot to play for obviously coming back. Uh, I, you know, he played okay um, early and I think maybe one or two, I think he might've had a sack, but um, I don't know. I was just kind of underwhelmed by what the saints brought to the table. And then they don't have a quarterback that can bring him back. I mean, I like Taysom Hill, but again, they're not a play from behind team either. If he's their quarterback, I think we saw that um, they're going to have to get out in front of people and keep, keep things within reason. Cause he can, I mean, he's got a lot of skills and they can run an interesting offense, but he cannot just line up. I don't think and bring them back from deep. He definitely can. I mean, we saw it in that game. He, he, you know, when you force him to throw the ball, it changes everything because you don't have to worry about him taking off. And then he's just not that accurate of a quarterback. I don't think he makes the best reads necessarily. So, I mean, it's the same thing that we're seeing with Lamar only to a very different degree here. Uh, Coulter, what did you take away from that game? Was you, were you more impressed with the, with the Eagles and hurts or more let down with the, the saints? Yeah, I, I think I was more, uh, it was more of a letdown with the saints. I think there was an overreaction to that team. As I texted you guys, it really wasn't talked about at all. They beat the same team twice in a three week span. Clearly they have an advantage over their division rival, the Falcons. They beat them five out of six times, nine out of 11. This is a team that has the Falcons number. Why are we overvaluing those two wins? They don't mean anything. They're basically one win. And then they, they're all the other win with Taysom Hill is, was uh, for going to Denver, beating a fifth string quarterback, total overreaction to this team. I think Hughes had circled on it. Questionable motivation in some spots of this team to come out flat 
And then the biggest thing, obviously, is we just hit on with the Ravens is this team doesn't play well from behind. And I, I think I kind of threw this gauntlet down to it might have even been Raheem Morris when they first took on Taysom Hill three weeks ago. The Falcons, Jim Schwartz is a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator. Get out of the NFL if you can't come up with a defensive scheme to scheme out Taysom Hill, period. Yeah. You have to be able to beat this guy. If you're a defensive coordinator and you want to be taken seriously in the NFL, you have to beat Taysom Hill. I know that Hurts is the exact same way on the opposite end. You could say the same thing about Dennis Allen and the Saints defense coordinator, but it's different when you're a guy like Jim Schwartz, who at the end of the year, every person in that building is going to be evaluated for their job. There's not a single person in that Eagles organization that will not have an interview that is going to be for their job at the end of the year. Schwartz is included in that. Therefore, he has to stop a player like Taysom Hill. And so I, I got that handicap all wrong. The motivation was all on Philly to prove people wrong. Uh, Hertz is obviously a guy who is really good in these situations. I mean, talk about a guy who can handle uh, pressure, uh, can handle situations where people don't think he's going to win or succeed. And this guy is just a consummate professional. He's, he's only a rookie, but you can already tell those, those experiences in Alabama are going to serve him well in his career, I think. Uh, it's such an X factor. And that's why they drafted him high. I remember when we did the draft uh, podcast, it, it's exact why he ended up in the second round. He's a third round, fourth round talent, but there's something between his ears that makes him a second round talent. And that's what Philadelphia saw. So uh, I can't say I'm overly high on Philly coming out of that game, much more down on new Orleans. Um, and it, more just down on new Orleans in that one situational spot, because I think they were just over over inflated coming in off of two, games against the same team where they won in a very similar way against the Falcons. And then they beat the Broncos in that game, which is, I mean, the throwaway of the year. I mean, how do you even include that in the, the Saints stats? It's so stupid. Um, that line really should have been like four and a half, four, and it ended up being six and a half in our pool. So it was just a high number, uh, bad handicapping going into the game. And obviously hindsight's 2020, but that's what that game taught me. And I fell for it. You know, I took the Saints yeah, as one too. of my picks last week. It was just a bad, bad read. But, you know, what can you do? I, I agree, though, with what you're saying about Hurts. I definitely think there's something that you've got to put into account. And I don't even know how you can quantify it. But a guy who at the quarterback position who has success at a high level at schools like Alabama and Oklahoma, there's something to be said about him. Whether he's the best passer, maybe not, doesn't have the best arm strength, maybe he doesn't make the best reads. But the guy's a leader and a winner. I mean, I think that's got to be factored into something when you're evaluating your quarterbacks. And like you said, Coulter, that probably resulted in him bumping up and getting picked in the second round instead of maybe the third or fourth, uh, which is where maybe this talent lies. But I'm curious to see what happens this week. And I'll say this. I mean, I'm I'm not going to straight compare him to Russell Wilson, but I mean, similar type of you know trajectory in terms of you just got guys that are very athletic, that know how to win, that are gym guys that like just work, 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 and they can clearly pick things up. And I think having played at two schools has got to be a benefit to picking up an, uh, an offense and under, and obviously I think Doug's offense is probably a lot more complicated, but again, having gone through that level of variation, I think is good training for some, for some of these guys. And um, I just think, yeah, I mean, I think Hertz is going to be an interesting case uh, as we go through this. I, I do think he's going to continue to start for the rest of the year. Uh, but I think too, the, the rest of the team didn't play great. Like they, like the offensive line was not great. I mean, the defense was not great, but at the same time, they had a quarterback that could get them out of tough spots. And I think, you know, that's, that's what you need in the NFL. And I think he really showed that. So I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. Um, I don't think they're going to be that much better though. I do agree. I think, I think we're, I think we saw that the saints just aren't that good. 
And I love when Peterson came out and was like, yeah, we're going to uh, start Hurts this week. It's like, no shit. You guys won the game. You beat the Saints. You think you're going back to Wentz after that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, My brother wanna... was so upset that Peterson took 12 hours to make that call. He's like, why hasn't he called it already? I was like, all right, patience. And then, of course, it was like 1 p.m. on Monday. I was like, here it is. Here's the news. Yeah, we like, all knew it was coming. I don't want to harp too much on the Giants because it's only going to make me upset, but I also lost that pick. I think Danny Jones was hurt. They look like shit. Jason Garrett's offense is atrocious, and it just was completely highlighted by that. And on the flip side of that, we saw the football team get a pretty good win on the road against the Niners, who you know may not be as healthy as they, they should be, but that's still a good win. I, I don't know what to make of it now. Obviously, football teams in the driver's seat. Football team better build like a new trophy case because they've got the defensive rookie of the year. They've got the comeback player of the year. Both of those awards are coming to the nation's capital. And, you know, oh. my preseason bet on coach of the year with Ron Rivera is looking better and better with each every week. They could have three of the major postseason awards for a team that had a win expectation of four and a half. And it was right there with the Jaguars preseason. It's really an impressive job by them. Yeah, I mean, and Gibson didn't even what he he got hurt early, um, and then you had uh, Smith go down. Like they, that game was not like an easy game for them to play, and it was definitely you know against a team that is well coached and knows how to you know knows how to win too. So uh, I yeah, I was impressed with the football team. I they're they're a scrappy, gritty team, um, and you know I'm I. Ron Rivera has done a lot with, with again, finding a way to coach his way um, and finding guys that he could trust seemingly. Um, and the defense is playing well to your point. Chase, Chase is unbelievable. Um, he's just an absolute game wrecker uh, in the likes that we've seen, uh, you know, he's Vaughn Miller and, and some of these other guys. Um, so it's, it's, it, it is interesting in the giants. I did see that Dan Jones also sprained his ankle. Yeah. So we've got a hammy and an ankle questionable this week. Um, and I think, you know, the, the Cardinals were in a must win situation. And I thought that showed me a little bit more from the Cardinals too, that they've got, you know, some life left in them. I think, I mean, they're back in the wild card, uh, spot in the NFC. Uh, and that, again, that was a tough, that was a tough draw for the giants. And I do think they were feeling themselves obviously a little bit. People thought they were back. The famous were back. Uh, and I don't know if that was the case, but obviously you know, they can bounce back and still make the playoffs. So they do play, do they play, fo- they don't play football team again or they do play. Them they don't play football They've already team. Already played so I'll twice. Give you, okay. Yep. I'll give you both their uh, remaining schedules. So the football team, they are at home uh, against the Seahawks this week. Then they have the Panthers at home and then at the Eagles, uh, the giants, they finish up with the Browns at home at the Ravens, which is not a good spot for them. And then at home against the Cowboys. So, Ooh. Okay. I, you know, football team is going to come down to Eagles and football team. Yeah. Yeah. That game is going to decide. You got Eagles and football team and Cowboys versus Giants in the last uh, week of the season, which if you're the NFL, even though that division sucked, you're loving that uh, potential intrigue there to end the season. It's going to be yep. interesting to see. Um, okay. That's, that's all I'm putting on for last week. Okay. You know, things looked really promising for me and then they ended up being just absolutely shitty. So again, we are moving on. We're moving to week number 15. Uh, I want to just put this out there. Okay. I said last week that we would be hosting an internal, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it. Maybe a pay for picks, pay for service where you could have access to the one and only Megan Cazalet's picks. And you know how many people took us up on that? Zero. And you know what she did? Went four and one last week. The <laughs> girl is 
dominating. So I just want to run down the man versus model uh, standings right now. Megan, like I said, pulling away from the pack, she's in first with 42 correct picks uh, in second place. And I don't even think I'm that close, even though it says I am, I'm in 39 points in second followed by Hannibal in third uh, with 38. So it's close, but like I said, message us. We'll give you the picks. <laughs> You'll win some money. Just do it, guys. The girl is on fire. <laughs> it's impressive. It's impressive. It's absolutely wild. So I'm, I'm serious. If anyone wants to take us up on that, you know how to message us on Twitter at Double Down Corp. If you know us personally, message us, text us, whatever it is. So let's go ahead. I'm going to give you guys the uh, games that we have chosen for the Double Down Trent podcast uh, tournament. And then we're going to make our own week 15 picks. So the first game, uh, like we had just mentioned, is the Seattle Seahawks traveling east again to Washington football team. That spread is five and a half in favor of the Eagle or excuse me, the Seahawks. I think, Colt, this is like the fourth or fifth time the Seahawks have traveled east this year. That's going to be a tough spot for them. Yeah, they were just in Philadelphia. They've been to Buffalo, and I'm trying to think. Have they been? Oh, they've been to Miami too. Yep. Yeah. So this is the fourth time they've traveled. Um, it's a tough spot, you know. It, you can't say that playing that defensive line. If you're any team in the NFL, even if you've got a Russell Wilson, going across country and playing that defensive line with Sweat and and Young and all the other guys they have, Payne. That's a, you know, even if you have Metcalf and, and Lockett, that defensive line, as you know, as a Giants fan, beating the Patriots uh, all those years ago in the Super Bowl, that offsets a lot of different talent discrepancies. Mm-hmm. So on paper, I look at Seattle and thinking, oh, DK Metcalf's going to eat. You know, this game could be a blowout. Washington can't keep score with them, especially if they have Haskins. Best bet of the week potentially on Seattle, especially if Haskins is going for football team. However, that defense line again, it just neutralizes everything. So I'm actually looking at football team. This came open at three. It's five and a half in our pool. So there's a little bit of value. You got to think they're max motivated. And you pointed out the big thing too, the travel factor with Seattle. Yep. And I'm watching that as well. If Haskins is playing, I'm, 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 I'm taking Seattle, but if it's Alex, don't, Smith, don't, that's, I don't want to give anything away. We might have some. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, okay. Well, I can't cross, I can't crossfire without that knowledge. I mean, it really hinges <laughs> all on, all on Haskins. I mean, it's, it's a Washington football bet if it's Smith and if it's Haskins, I'm switching. Okay, probably. we could have some intrigue here. The next game that we are showcasing, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to New Orleans, playing the Saints. Right now, the Chiefs are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's going to be an incredible game, even though we just said we're down a little bit on the Saints. Uh, then the, the models, Chicago Bears. Boy, did he come through with a win last week picking the Bears. Uh, they are going to Minnesota, playing the Vikings. Right now, the Vikings are a three-and-a-half point there, which is uh, pretty interesting in my opinion. The next game, Bill, your New England Patriots going down to Miami, a spot that they have struggled in uh, in, in recent years. The Dolphins are a two-and-a-half point favorite, and then we're rounding it out this week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Atlanta. The Bucks are a five-and-a-half point favorite, so those are our picks. Go to DoubleDownTrent.com, click on Man versus Model. Go ahead and submit your picks. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into our week number 15 picks. This season is flying by. Uh, Hughes, you've been throwing a little uh, little heat. Why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, take the lead here with your first pick of week 15? 
So I, um, before I get into my first pick, I did want to call something out that I don't, I'm not, it's not going to be one of my picks, but I am interested to kind of get, and if it is one of you, I don't think it's one of you guys' picks, but this, the Dolphins minus two versus the Pats is the, is an odd line to me. I do not under, the Pats just got crushed. There's a familiarity thing there for sure. And the Pats did beat them earlier in the year, but like this minus two seems very odd to me. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that the Pats are done, but they have pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. And Miami has every reason to, to win this game. And minus two is just a really weird, weird line. Um, that being said, my pick, my first pick, I'm, st- I'm I'm riding the same horse. Buffalo minus six at Denver. Um, again, the Bills to me right now are a team that is going to feast on teams like the Broncos. Now, could the Bills be feeling themselves? Could this be, you know, it's a travel spot. They're playing in my eye. Um, you know, there's all those things. But to me, this is this is six points is the perfect line for this game. Um, again, it, it, they're a better team. They're in a better place. They are absolutely. I mean, I think have a confidence in their game. Their defense is seemingly playing a little bit better. Um, I love the Bills in this spot. Uh, Bills minus six is my first pick. Okay, Colter, what do you think? Um, I think the Dolphins thing it has to be attached to the fact that they don't have many receivers that are healthy with Parker yeah. and Gasicki and, and Tua is such a question mark. I know he proved himself against Kansas City, but I would I'd like to think that they can't really score points. The Patriots can't score points and, and the total on that game is well like forty and a half. So Vegas kind of agrees. Uh they think it's probably just gonna be low scoring. Uh to to go off that uh Bills pick. You can't go against the team that's probably the hottest team in the NFL going against a depleted Denver secondary. I will say this, though. Vangio has schemed out quarterback after quarterback this year. It's really impressive what this guy's been able to do. And I'm not a big fan of his as a head coach, but, I mean, defensively, Denver has really limited guys like a Bridgewater last week. I thought he did a great job with. I mean, he's game plan against a Tua Tagovailoa when he came to my uh, to Denver to mile high. So I don't necessarily know if Josh Allen can come into Denver and gain margin on this defense. I know the secondary is depleted, but you also have to factor into the, like Denver's offense has looked really good recently. And Hamler has looked like he's an explosive player and all it takes is a couple of big run plays to complement the pass game. And Denver's offense, I think can keep this game pretty close. Uh, I'm a Denver pessimist being a fan, so I'm not going to crossfire you. I'm on Buffalo. I think you've got the better head coach the better overall roster and the team that's obviously just playing better. Um, I will say this though. I don't know if Buffalo is going to play for margin. I think that line is just a hair too high. Um, again, not going to crossfire, but I'm just presenting an alternate case for Denver. I also am on the bills here. Hughes, um, you know, when I see the Broncos, they put up a lot of points. I think Drew Locke has been playing well, um, but Buffalo's defense has actually been playing surprisingly above what they started out in the beginning of the year. I think what you saw in the beginning of the year, their defense was giving up 30, you know, 40 points, even I think to the Titans, they're getting steamrolled. Um, last week you saw them really step up against the Steelers. And I know the Steelers are maybe not the most explosive. I think we said it last week, even they're, they're a one dimensional team. I think you said that Coulter and we really did see that, but they forced, I think at least two, two or three turnovers last week against the bill or excuse me, against the Steelers. Um, I like what I'm seeing from that, that unit. Uh, but the flip side of that is obviously the Bills offense. I mean, we saw it in the second half last week. They they had a, a second half that to me resembled what we see from the Chiefs where they flipped the switch. You know, I mean, like they came out of halftime and all of a sudden Josh Allen's throwing darts. He's he's moving around the pocket. That offense is looking great. 
and and they were just able to move the ball really easily against a good solid uh, Steelers defense. I know they're they're missing a lot of their players, but I like that pick as well, Hughes. Um, we got it at six and a half in our pool, so if that stays under seven, uh, I'd love that pick. I will yeah, I will say yeah. a, a word to the wise with uh, the gamblers out there that are listening for strategy. I think the reason why I, I was so quick to jump on the alternate side for the Broncos, I'm again on bills, but I think that my one real fear is this is the first Saturday game. It's going to be in that prime time Saturday afternoon slot and the bills are so hot right now. And I think people are ignoring that the Broncos, my team, as much as I hate them have played pretty, they played well as a team over the last two to three weeks. And again, just a lot of points. And I I hate the spot. I feel like everyone's going to be pounding the bills. So that's my, I'm really just pushing the, uh, if you're going to bet bills, bet lightly, uh, do the pizza thing. Don't do the, or boxes. You don't do the, I'm in Vegas, $200 type bet on the six and a half. Cause I, it's a lot of points. And that, that Saturday afternoon spot is, that's burned a lot of people before. I'm sure. I, I don't disagree. And I think, and that's kind of where to me, this line seemed perfect. Like I, I if it had been four and a half, I would have been like, mm, you know, like maybe Vegas does feel like this is going to be a game. Six feels like, I mean, to me, six and a half too feels like Vegas is like, okay, like unless something, you know, like unforeseen happens, the bills should win this game. I like it under the football number, but at the same time, the Broncos have played well against good teams, especially good teams that have gone in there to your point about the quarterbacks. So I think it's gonna be a good game, but I do think this is again, a little bit of a, you know, are the bills are chasing, you know, again, something that they think they can, they can win the AFC. They think they can get to the Super Bowl. I think at this point, um, whether they can or not, I don't know, but I think they can play with those teams at the top. And I think they'll take care of uh, Denver this weekend. That spot too, I'm glad you brought that up. That that's seems to me, yep. And and that's the, uh, you know, Saturday playoff spot that we saw them lose to the, the, uh, the Texans in last year. Maybe there's some weird Josh. Uh, Allen. Don't even get me started on the Saturday afternoon <laughs> playoff spot. I mean, this is week 15. It's a little different than the playoff, but yeah, I mean, the same logic holds in a month from now. When it's division, uh, when it's divisional round, people are going to be pounding the same exact team on the same exact day. Yep. So, I mean, I definitely think the logic is there. I can't bet the Broncos, but I just wanted to put that. I also think the Broncos too, uh, important thing. They won that game last week in Carolina, but they had that punt return, um, which is always an important factor. Uh, when you're factoring in things, I mean, that's a huge swing that play definitely put the Broncos in a good spot to, you know, protect the lead. And I think Carolina doesn't, play well from behind, especially when they don't have all their, their full weapons. I think they're kind of a limited offense actually is yep. what I saw from that game. So, okay. All right, Coulter, take it away with your first pick. All right. So I'm going, I've been playing par. If you guys haven't noticed par golf with my picks, I'm going completely the opposite direction. I'm, I'm this is, this one's for Mr. Model. Ooh. He's not with us tonight. Best bet. Number one, I'm taking the Falcons plus five and a half. Uh, this is a line movement play for me. The opener was one and a half last week. So I'm getting four free points, which is just monumental. Um, neither team has really changed their status. I mean, maybe Julio Jones won't play. He didn't play last week. So what's the big difference? Four points. It's ridiculous. Perception is down on Atlanta after losing to three out of four. As we highlighted earlier, two of those were against the same exact team and including a bad loss to Anthony Lynn and the Chargers last week. That's why everybody and their mother is going to be fading the Falcons this weekend. That's a perfect spot for me. I love to fade over reactions, as I pointed out earlier. And I could build the case that all 16 ATS losers last week were based on overreactions from the public. This is a, it just screams to me that this is the most overreactionary play of the week. Everyone's going to be thinking the Falcons are terrible. Guess what? The Falcons' defense is underrated. 
Not once in the last 10 games has the Falcons defense allowed more points than expected by Vegas, holding opponents to a combined 54 less points than expected during that span. I think the Falcons D is going to limit the Bucks offense. Ronald Jones has already been ruled out with COVID. And you also can't factor or you can't fail to factor in the Dan Bailey thing last week with the Vikings. This guy was atrocious for the Vikings. This game could have gone to overtime uh, or at least been a one point game. Instead, the Bucks cover comfortably. They give the winners. They give the teaser bets, the parlay betters. Everybody wins with the Bucks. Everybody wins with Brady. You guys see where I'm going with this. It's not going to repeat itself in Atlanta. This game's a home game for the Falcons. I like Koo, their kicker. He's not going to pull a Dan Bailey, which is going to be no sort of special teams edge. Uh, that doesn't bode well for Tampa. And I still think Raheem Morris is coaching for his job. I know he lost to Anthony Lynn last week. And if I'm Arthur Blank, I would never hire him as a head coach after that loss. However, He's still coaching for his job down there. It's a division division game. They haven't seen this team yet. I like Falcons five and a half. You know what? After playing, this is Tom Brady in December. I don't care where the game's being played. We're talking about a team that's stacked on offense. It's it's winning season. This is not we lose to Atlanta or the game is close season. This is winning season. Give me Tom Brady. It's under seven points. I'll take it all day. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. I will say. Uh, the Ronald Jones thing does a little bit worry me a little bit, but at the same time, I think they'll be fine. Um, I think they're going to start clicking a little bit more. So I, I thought they looked a little bit better last week uh, in terms of finding Gronk, getting him going a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the Bronx. I mean, I'm on the Bucks. Okay. Okay. Crossfire action. Coulter, I was going to say was, you know, after playing three, uh, I yeah, I'd get some action. On this one yeah, right you played three rounds of par golf, and then all of a sudden you turned into tin cup. You said, "You know what? I can make the green from here. Ball me, ball me, Rome." <laughs> I, I, you know what? Earlier this year, I got this handicap wrong with the Bills wanting revenge on on the Pats. Tell me that there's not another a team in the league, Falcons. I know there's not a lot of guys on this roster that were on that 2016 team. Don't they just want to decapitate Brady? I mean, if there's one team in the league that just wants to unleash fury on this guy, it's got to be Atlanta, right? See, I find myself yeah. in a weird position here, Hughes, because you're the Tom Brady. You know, this is your boy. Okay, you got a little soft spot. It's an emotional pick. It's an emotional but pick. I agree. Let me ask you this. I'm let me ask you this. Brady, it's more of a situational thing where Atlanta is, I think, getting a lot of value point-wise. I mean, the game opened at one and a half. It was one and a half last week. Now it's five and a half. What changed? Tampa Bay covered against Dan Bailey? What yeah. happened? What I would like to ask Hughes is, did you watch that Vikings game at all? Because Tom Brady was overthrowing wide open guys. He did not look sharp. They didn't really have a lot of pressure on him either. So I'm a little concerned about Tommy here. I'll say this. He didn't look great. I do think at t- I thought he threw, I mean, the touchdown pass um, to uh, Wes Welker or whatever, the little guy that's Scott running around seventh, seventh <laughs> round pick. Um I thought I thought it was a good throw. I mean, I thought I thought it sort of Gronk was vintage. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, I think he he doesn't look totally comfortable in the offense at times, but I do think it's getting better. And again, I think this is winning season. This is this is Tom. This is, I mean, if we could pull up, I don't know what Tom Brady against the spread is in December um, throughout his career, but I'm sure it's pretty good. Um, it's probably you know they they just this is this type of game they win. Again, I don't think the numbers out of control. But at the same time, I think the number is safe. I don't think if this were three and a half, four points, it'd be like, okay, Vegas has given them a little bit of love. But I think, you know, five and a half, this has been a, this has been a steady climb to Tampa. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I just think I, 
just can't bet against Tommy. You know, it's See, December. I've been in this position before, and I've you lost. Come get a little crossfire action too, there. Come on. Yo, come yeah. On yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's I'm on the side. Falcons. I'm double crossfire okay. here. Double time. Double crossfire. I like what you're saying, and I've I've fallen for this trap as well. When we say, "Oh, what's Tom Brady against the spread in December? What's Tom Brady after a loss?" Uh, you know, those don't apply because we're talking about Tom Brady He's not playing on the Pats yes. with Phil Belichick yes. and the the team and the coach and everything going for him. This is a different team, man. I, I've fallen for the Bucks a few times and I've been in that same position where I was like, listen, Brady after loss is automatic. Bet him. He's just not the same, and this is not the same team. It's it's a different comparison, my friend. So I'm with you, Coulter. I'm on it. Ap- it's apples to oranges. You're yep. so right. The, the Brady in December thing, I get he, uh, him as a player, and, I'm, and again, not fading Brady at all here. This is a strictly a numbers play, a strictly on the Falcons' defense being underrated play. And you're right. The culture of Tampa is just different than New England. And so you can't bring in the old New England baggage and say, oh, they're going to just be a money machine in, in December. What I saw, what did we see last week? They would have not covered the game if Dan Bailey was actually a kicker. They would not have covered. Yeah. They would have lost yeah, better money if Dan Bailey could actually six, kick field goal. They wouldn't have won six Super Bowls if Tom Brady didn't know how to win in December. I mean, I just think this is it's just automatically. So our. Actually, I was trying to think. Say one no, but we're not talking about wins here, Hughes. We're talking about covering. All right, so they we're won and covered spreads. last week. Did they, want it? did they win and cover the first week in December? Who did they win two they weeks a, ago? They had a bye week. And right, they, so co- they, they covered against Kansas City. And I, that's why I was on them. I was on them last week. I had I had Tampa. And they, and they won and they covered. I won on the podcast. Again, again Dan Bailey's inability to kick field goals and the Vikings' absolute dumpster fire of a team. I don't know. Like, that line is also bizarre. Um like I, I take. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that one in a moment. <laughs> um, uh, that that line screams screams bears. Uh, but anyways, no, I mean, I just again, I Bill I and I are going to be trying. <laughs> I think it's consistent. I think I think what Tom Brady's able to do again. I think he made the plays to win the game. I thought I thought he. You know, we didn't play great. He hasn't played great all year. He hasn't played great in three years. But he plays well enough to get them in a position and to play well enough to win. I think he does that this week. Again, we're talking about Atlanta. We're not talking about like, oh, they got to play the Saints. Like they're playing the Falcons. Like, again, the Falcons have played tough this year and the Falcons are, you know, a gritty team. I don't know, whatever. But like, they're not good. Like they've lost way too many games. Like they're just not. Right. I mean, they found I, a way yeah, to lose against happen? Anthony Lynn, which is seems yeah. criminal, honestly, in 2020. So you're not wrong there. It's, you're, you're right on it's that. Not a not a strong organization. Right. And, no five point, and five and a half is not a hard number to get to when you're playing against a team that doesn't know. You know that again hasn't played well enough to win. So, anyways, if the line if the line were eight, yeah, I'd feel like okay, maybe that's a lot of points, but five and a half seems safe. Okay. Well, yeah. speaking of, if the line was eight, uh, I'm taking. What, in my opinion, is one of the hotter teams in the league, and that is the Green Bay Packers minus eight and a half at home against the Panthers. Um, I, I don't want to say I've been down on and doubting Aaron Rodgers, but I've been picking against them a lot, thinking that they would they'd get some backdoor covers. Um, I know the Lions just backdoor covered at seven and a half, I think, but I really like what I'm seeing out of Green Bay. And on the flip side of that, Carolina, the, the they're just fading. You know, I liked what Matt Rule was doing earlier in the year. I think they've got some pieces to build on, uh, especially if McCaffrey is out again. I don't know what his status is here. That could maybe he's you know, out. He's out. Okay. Then well, he I practiced definitely today, though. I thought unexpectedly. Sorry, I didn't mean it. But like, no, you're good. I did see something. That oh, you know, what you're right. They, they said he's like but basically doubtful. He he's like doubtful. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay. they expect him to be out, but like he's actually not been totally out. No, but he's not going to play. I don't think. 
Yeah, yeah there, there's no reason to put him in there and risk him getting injured even further. I mean, their season's no, no, over. That would be the worst. That would be the worst managerial move ever for a team that's up and coming to yeah. potentially play with your fate in 2021. In 2020, that's your. That's like Christopher Walken and Deer Hunter status. You're playing with your life. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Agreed. Way too and much rush on that. Now that the Saints have opened the door up for the Packers to get the one seed, they're not letting their foot off the gas. I mean, this is the Aaron Rodgers fuck you spite season, and it, I think it continues this week. Uh, eight and a half. I, I think even if this spread was 11 and a half, I still would like the Packers. So I'm taking Green Bay. Uh, Coulter, what do you think on that one? This is my number one, number one of the entire week, six calls to Nikki. I do not know what to make of this game. I feel like the number is a little too high. Um, I I get all your points with the Packers. I like the spite season. If the Panthers can't beat the Broncos at home, how can they, how can they compete with the Packers? You know, if the Packers are really the second best team in the league, which I would entertain that discussion, um, you know, how can the Panthers go into Lambeau field and compete with this team? Uh, that just lost the Broncos. But I think we hit this on the pod last week. I forget who said it. Uh, it was either me or I might have been Hughes. But, like, this is a new coaching staff that was dealt with uh, the COVID factor for the first time last week. Um, and so I think that actually did actually have an impact. This is a rookie head coach, rookie defensive coordinator, rookie offensive coordinator, and they're dealing with problems that I know the whole league is dealing with. But it's a little different when you're Sean Payton and you've been there for 15 years and you know, every single person in your organization, you can deal with COVID. You're Mike Tomlin. You can deal with COVID. Uh, it's just part of the season. I think when you're Matt rule and you have a little bit less time, uh, with the infrastructure there in Carolina, I think it impacts you a little bit more. So I think that game last week, you have to factor in. They also were down DJ Moore. This team plays a lot better when they have all three of their offensive weapons, uh, Bridgewater funnels it into those three guys. He really doesn't have another option. He's unlike, Russell Wilson or some of these other quarterbacks that can find the fourth and fifth guys. He's he really who's in on his t- top three. And so I think more coming back is really important because he'll draw Alexander uh, on the Packers defense. And I like Anderson uh, to kind of exploit green Bay a little bit. Again, six calls to Nikki. I really don't know what to make of this game. I, I feel like Panthers are still kind of lively. They're still playing hard, but the Packers are the second best team in the league Saturday night game too. That there's the factor that that bills, Bills and Packers, one of those two teams is, is not covering on Saturday. There's going to be too much action on both of those teams. Uh, so that's why this this is like a prime six calls to Nikki game for me. I really, I think the line's just a hair too high. And, you know, you just hit it uh, on the nose there, Kaz. The freaking Lions backdoored these guys with Chase Daniels. Did they not? Yeah, they did. I'm concerned about a backdoor. I am, especially with Teddy Covers. Uh, and I, but, this is a fantasy thing and I am an Aaron Jones owner and I'm just infuriated that they won't give him the ball more, but like, I can't bet on this team at eight and a half. If they're not going to give Jones 20 carries, give the ball to your best offensive player. What is wrong with you? Well, the reasonable. Hold, let's hold on your third best offensive player. But that's fine. Um, I'm on the Packers here. Uh, Adams and uh, Rogers have been. I mean, Jones had 19 touchdowns last year. He's, he's no, <laughs> this guy is—he's no slouch. This guy can play I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but at the same time, I do think that again, I, I'm on the Packers here. I'm with—I'm with, I'm with all, both you guys, or with Kaz, and a little bit with Colter. See where you land on it, but I do think the Packers are on a—they're on a steamroller right now. I think you know they've—they they've figured out the, how to run this offense. Aaron looks incredible uh the defense is playing better um and again i don't think i don't think carolina's offense is going to bring a whole lot i do think the more being back is a very interesting factor and uh, i would take a look at the over in that game if i'm if i'm really talking about it there could be some real points um i don't know what it's at right now but i would look at i think the over there might be nice um but at the same time 
Uh, yeah, I'm on the Packers. I, I just think they're, again. If the Broncos could push it over last week, the Packers most certainly can push it over. I agree with Hughes on that. That That's probably the way to play this game. It's definitely on the yeah. overall. Like, that and that, you know, again, I do think it's a lot of points. And I and I will say, um, Matt Rule has been impressive this year in terms of how he's been able to keep games close. And I think, you know, from a running back perspective, I mean, they, uh, there's an obvious drop off when you lose the best player uh, at the position. But at the same time, um, oh man, I can't think of the guy's name. Davis. Uh, Mike Davis. 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 Sorry, Mike Davis um, has been pretty good, um, and he can catch the ball to the backfield. He can do a lot of different things. So you know, I mean, I do think they could definitely find a way to keep it close. But I, I if you know, from a betting perspective, I'm on Green Bay. All right, Hughes, why don't you give us your key pick of the week? Key pick of the week. Let's stick with, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it at this point. Um, I was a little nervous having them a couple different ways last week at 14 and a half. So sliding in at five and a half going up against who knows what quarterback and you can't trust either quarterback. In my opinion, I'm taking Seattle. I'm taking Russell Wilson. Um, give me that all day. I think the defense could score three touchdowns in that game. I mean, like it's going to be that kind of game. I, I, I think that Seattle has enough to play for. Uh, again, I have been impressed with the football team, so I don't want to sit here and say that this is a dumb deal, but the, just the idea that Haskins might play is enough for me to feel confident in five and a half. I don't think if the coming do actually, I may, did not check what time the game is. Is it a one or a four? It is a one o'clock game. Tough spot for, right, so for Seattle. That, that is another. Yeah. I mean, they, they have played in that slot already, already this year, but, um, but I do think, uh, I think Seattle takes care of business here. Um, I think they find a way to slow down the pass rush, even though that pass rush is relentless and their Seattle offensive line is definitely not a strength. Uh, so, um, it definitely could go that way. And, and similar, I think Russell's got enough, um, mobility and enough, you know, kind of playmaking, uh, to be able to do what maybe Tom couldn't do against the uh, Giants in the Super Bowl uh, that Coulter so nicely mentioned earlier, um, you know, stick another dagger in me. Um, Bonus points there, Coulter. <laughs> uh, but no, no, for, for real though, I mean, Tommy's a, st- you know, he, he he can't move. So I mean, he can, he can navigate the pocket. But like again, I think Russell can get get out and get out and get on the move. And I think um, I think Seattle in this spot. Uh, is is a nice nice pick at five and a half. If it were two, if it were three and a half, again, I, I'd feel like a little nervous, more nervous about this. But five and a half feels safe. It's under the football number two. I'm on it. Fair enough. Come and get Coulter, it. Come and got? get it. I don't love the travel factor, and I also don't love the fact that there's been movement on this. It opened at three and a half last week. Now it's up to five and a half. <clears throat> but I am on Seattle for those the the quarterback reasons. Number one, if this is a great a this is a great example of a game of. Seattle gets up seven or 10, nothing. How does football team come back? I don't see it. I think this defense is playing really well. Dunlap and Collier are a great combination up front. You add that with Wagner, Wright and Adams. That's five really good defensive players. They're playing good on the defensive side of the ball. And I think uh, Hughes said it best. I mean, Wilson can get out and elude pressure and I, I I'm not a Nick Mullins expert. I'm not, he, maybe he can get out of the pocket and elude pressure. But like, all I know is, is that there's a massive uh, quarterback upgrade from week to week here. You're going from Nick Mullins uh, to Russell Wilson. So that's a massive, massive uh, switch here. And so that's gotta be factored in. The football team is not going to just be uh, firing at all, you know, at will against Nick Mullins. They're going to be going against an all pro quarterback. Uh, I have to give the, the favor to, to Seattle. I think they're going to get up in this game. I think they're going to be able to run, keep a lead. You know, Wilson will make enough plays. They'll probably win ugly. It'll probably be like 23, 14, something like that. I think over the number. 
I may propose the first ever contingency crossfire. Because <laughs> if Alex Smith is starting, I'm on the football team. I love so, them. Well, maybe not love them, but if, I do. If, if I do like the storyline and the motivational factor with Smith, and I think he gives them life in the situation where they're down seven nothing. I do agree. Well, yeah. Coulter, and, and I believe we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, when they played the Steelers. We said, you know, how do they come back if they're down? Well, we saw it. They were down, I think, at least seven or ten points, uh, and they came back and, and won that game outright, too. So uh, if he is playing, I like them in the five and a half. I don't like them to win this uh, win this game, but I do think they keep it close. Listen, that defense, they are playing at a different level, and I understand what you're saying, that Russ can get out of the pocket. He can maneuver a little bit better out there, but – we saw the Giants keep him in the pocket and, and get a couple of sacks on him. And Washington's front four is is much better than the Giants. So I do think they keep him contained. If this is Haskins, I switch this, and I, I would even best bet Seattle uh, if Haskins is starting. Uh, but if it is Alex Smith, I like Washington to cover the spot. Okay. I will say the one thing about Alex Smith that I've had trouble with is I feel like it's hard for me to watch him play because I'm just expecting something bad to happen. And so I do like when he went out of the game, it was almost like a sense of relief and they ended up winning the game. Um, but I, it has been very interesting watching Alex Smith because it's a great story. It's really cool to see him, but then like, it was, I think it was it the calf. It was a calf on the same leg. Yeah. I think yeah. that yep. he, um, that he strained. And like, I don't know, you just, like, I just don't, you know, like the guy went through so much and you know, obviously anybody's seen the story. And I just feel like it's hard for me as, I don't know, as, as a former player, you know, having seen, you know, like guys get ma- maimed, you know, in practice or on the field. And you just like, you know, you realize like how quickly it can happen and at everything he's overcome, just the fact that he can walk and play with his kids and do all the other stuff is like enough. And like, I don't know, it's been interesting to watch them. Um, but at the same time, I don't think he's even good enough to get them to where, um, they can, you know, play within a certain level with Seattle. But again, they did it against Pittsburgh. I am, again, I've said this last week. I don't think Pittsburgh's as good right now as they'll be later or they were earlier, which is part of what happened against Pittsburgh. In my opinion, that was such a weird spot. Pittsburgh's been in so many weird spots again. And that may be why I'm overvaluing the bills a little bit, but we'll see how that plays out. this but I also think Seattle's in a funny position here. So they got the travel East as we said here, but uh, I also think this is a weird, uh, you know, look ahead game. They've got the Rams. Sandwich spot. Yeah. So they're coming off an easy game against the jets. They know they've got a big divisional matchup with the Rams next week. I think they might be poised for a small letdown, you know, not enough mm-hmm. to lose the game, but it just to me seems like a weird spot. And again, this is a, this is a teaser. This is a teaser game. Take Seattle, like tease them down. And grab somebody else, whether if you like Tampa, I obviously don't. But if you like Arizona, you tease them down or the Chiefs, you get them to three or something on the other side. Find another team and tease them with Seattle, because I think this is a a great uh, use this NFL schedule to your advantage kind of thing here. Cavs hit on something great. The Rams are going to be heading into that game at 10 and four. And I guarantee the NFL would prefer if Seattle was 10 and four as well. They win this game straight up. That happens. And guess what happens if the, the football team loses? They set up that situation that we were just talking about week 17. If they win and they pull an upset against Seattle, guess what happens to that week 17? Nothing. Nobody cares about those games because football team is going to have that division running away wild, especially if your Giants lose on Sunday night. Has no offense. But like football team will have the division wrapped up by the end of this weekend if they beat Seattle and Giants lose, right? It's going to be not, way not too hard for the Giants to come. Yeah, but, yeah, but it'll be way yeah. too hard for yeah. even New York to come back, even though yep. they have the tiebreaker. They're going to have to win out and football team would have to lose out. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see that happening. I, I think Seattle's a money line play here. 
if you can tease them with a team you like, mm-hmm. I definitely would do that. All right. Maybe the Bills. I think maybe yeah. that's the play. A Bills Seattle uh, tease. Because I don't think we're beating Buffalo. I really don't, but I don't know about that number. But I, I like I like that now that we talked it through. All right. I like Just it. giving out free ditties there, people. <laughs> All right, Coulter, who is your key pick? I think I'm going to have more money here with Hughes. I'm going with Minnesota three and a half. Uh, besides Taylor going against uh, Tomlin on Monday night, this is the biggest coaching mismatch of the week. I'm not taking Matt Nagy over Mike Zimmer. I'm not going to get blinded against about uh, with this win that they had against the depleted Texans. I'm not going to buy into Mitch Trubisky. I'm not. I will take advantage of a really strange line movement. This was listed at uh, six look ahead line last week. Now it's three and a half. It's down to three in some places. Why all the action on the bears? What am I missing here? It's down to three at a key number in some shot. This is such an overreaction. The Texans had no receivers last week. They had no offense. This was a game that the bears were easily going to win. Everybody thought the Texans had it, but like this is a bears mismatch nightmare at home. Now they're going to Minnesota. I just don't see it. Uh, the kicking factor we already we already went over. I mean, do I have to mention that in my handicap? This is a team that would have covered in the last two games if it wasn't for Dan Bailey. The Bears' defense is wildly overrated. They gave up 34 points to the Lions. They couldn't contain any – I mean, they, I know they shut down the Texans' terrible offense, but they've been unraveling over the last several weeks. I feel like if Cook gets them early, if he can grind out early 60 to 70 yards in the first half, he's going to break that defense's spirit. They're going to fold early. I love this play. Public is pounding the Bears. 85% of bets are on Matt Nagy. Am I the only one who's sober here? Come on now, folks. Houston stinks. Bears stink. I'm going to take the Vikings three and a half. All right. What do you think, Hughes? Crossfire. Um, and here's why. Um, I, I, I love hold on, I love the casual just crossfire. <laughs> I'll say this. The Bears are the I mean, it's unbelievable how the swings have gone with the Bears this year. I mean, from where they were leading the division at one point in time at like five and one or something uh, to where we are today. I do think the Vikings, are the Vikings still in the hunt? Actually, I should have asked that first because I can't remember. Same record. Same record. Just like for a Monday Night Football a couple weeks yeah. ago. These are teams that are circling. They've been circling each other's paths the whole season. They're both technically still alive. All right. So I'm going to go with the Bears just because. I've, I just like their defense more. I, the Vikings defense along with cousins is just like nightmare size. Like they, they can't stop anybody cook, obviously being the X factor, the guy's unbelievable. And honestly him talking about the rushing record in the media makes me want to take the Vikings because clearly they want to get in that. That would be a win for that team. That would be a win for that franchise. It'd be a win for the con- like the whole thing. So it's possible that the Vikings have more to play for in the fact that they're trying to get Cook the rushing title. That could maybe factor in here. But I do think take, getting three and a half points on a team that's played pretty well, and ultimately I think I could see the Bears winning this game outright. Like I, I, You couldn't put me in a box and be like, yo, the Vikings are winning this game nine out of ten times. So in that case, taking three and a half, I mean, against a team that can play pretty, with a team that can play pretty good defense, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, again, I do think this is one of those – I'm I'm doing the crossfire just because I'd written down the fact that I like you know I liked the Bears this week because I don't know why it's just one of those things. You and 85 percent of the gambling public use you guys are all loving Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. I don't love Matt Nagy and I don't love Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> what I do love is that the defense actually like again I think the defense is good enough against this. If, if the Vikings have to throw the ball at all, they they have no shot. 
Like it's just that bad with the Jefferson at 140 yards receiving against him. I know, but like again, I do. Are you are you trusting Cousins down the stretch? I mean, if you are, I'm into it. But at the same time, I'm just not. (laughs) All I know is Kirk. Kirk, I I can't play at nighttime. I don't think think Jefferson will do that. Kirk, Kirk, I can't play at nighttime. Cousins carved him up for 290 yards the first time they played. He won in Chicago. This is a defense that has not been good recently. 290. Let's not say that's carved yeah, up. Really okay. 290 is, you know, that, that's a fine day these days. In a game where Cook, hold on. No, 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 no. In a game where Cook had, in a game where Cook had 31 carries, yeah, I think he 290 is not bad. They were running I mean, the ball all throughout that game. You, we ball watched it. I know we were texting about it. They were feeding Cook relentlessly. 290 is not a bad day when you're when you're trying to grind out the other team's uh, defense with Cook. I, I, I mean, might. Yeah, that. That's he was 25 of 36. I don't, I don't disagree. That with the Michigan State stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to say they're both here. I'm, I'm more. This is just yeah. like I don't understand why the, the line has moved three points because Chicago beat Houston at home got last Kirk, week. We've got the Kirk Cousins <laughs> fan club Cousins. coming to you live. <laughs> West Coast. So they're both technically still alive. They're both at six okay. and seven. One game behind uh, the Cardinals, who are currently in the seven spot there at a seven and six record. Um, I'm with you, Hughes. I'm going to crossfire you as well, Coulter. Uh, I'm, I got burned by the Bears last year. You know where you stand with that nag. I welcome the, yeah, the money. Should I just send you the money now? Cash yeah, you guys. Work, and if you're the gamblers out there, you should probably bet the Vikings because if I'm on it, then yeah. I'm not getting the Bears right. It's just it's been a season long battle I've had with Nagy. Um, listen, they put up, uh, what was it 36 last week? And I think 30 against the, the lions. I think the offense, uh, is, is, is rolling in a nice position right now. Um, but this to me is, is really more of a bet against Kirk cousins. Hughes, you did say that I have vested interest, obviously in a, in a different few different ways with that bucks Vikings game last week. And Kirk cousins just was brutal. I can't trust him down the stretch in big situations. I know they've made the playoffs. They've been in that position, but He's now in a position where they've got to, they've got to win out if they really want a shot at this. And this is a divisional game here. I don't see it. I don't trust it. Uh, I'm, I'm on the Bears as well here, so I'll accept the crossfire too. So, all right, I will say this, and this may be a little bit of bias in my pick. I watched the Bears-Texans game last week primarily because um, I had the under in a parlay. There were 37 points scored in the first half. The number was 45 and a half. It ended up at 43, which was, again, some type of miracle if anybody saw the end of that game. But at the same time, I could be drunk on having seen them play last week. I thought they looked good. That is always uh, sometimes the kiss of death. If you end up watching a team that, you know, like they have the good game against another bad team, you're like, ah, oh, Bears aren't that bad. So you may be right. I could be walking into an ambush here. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins. I think you guys are, I think you guys are, the reason why you're on the Bears, not only is because Mitch Trubisky did what he did last week, but the Vikings also have not covered a game, true fact, since that Monday night game against the Bears. Wow. By the way, they're own four against the spread, but that that's why this is such a good, such a good game. How many teams go own five against the spread in, in, a, in a, in a sample size that, that are Minnesota caliber. They're not, I'm not saying Minnesota is the best team in the league. They're probably 16th or 17th best in the league. Right. I think we can all agree. They're probably middling. They're 16, 17, 18, the 16th best team in the NFL doesn't go own five ATS. Like it, like it just doesn't happen. Like they're going to come back and they're going to cover games. Like it's just going to happen. And Dan Bailey is a major factor. They would have covered the last two games. And wasn't for Bailey. I will say, I did think I hear, I heard a stat last week that Mitch Trubisky has a higher winning percentage in his career than Deshaun Watson. That is true. Yeah. Which is wild. 
Absolutely well, wild. They had that year. They were 12 and four. His first year, they were yeah. juggernaut. I do want to uh, add some caveats to the listeners because, um, as you know, we're in this pool where we pick every uh, every game against the spread. So, uh, like we were just acknowledging here, I am two and eleven picking the Bears. On the flip side, my number one team, the Washington Football Team, I'm eleven and two. So a bunch of action here on those teams. <laughs> pretty pretty wild. You know what, Coulter? I got a hand to you. You went from par golf to double crossfires. <laughs> this is yeah. it's all for Aaron. <laughs> the model would be so proud. Um, okay. Now for my key pick, I didn't want to overthink this one and I'm just going to stick with it because I, I went through my card. I looked at it and I said, this is the one that jumps out at me. It's a massive number, but I'm taking the Rams minus 16 and a half at home against the jets. The jets are just done. They're just done. They got cooked by the Seahawks last week. I think it was 40 to six or 43, something like that. I don't see why this game is going to be all that different. The Seahawks and the Rams to me kind of interchangeable. They're very close. I think the Rams are going to do the exact same thing. Uh, but really the thing that's, that really jumps out to me about this game is where are the Jets scoring points? Are they even going to get to 10 against a Rams defense that in my opinion, is much better than the Seahawks. I just don't see it. Uh, they're done. They're in utter chaos, utter shambles. So I'll take that 16 and a half. I know it's a huge number, but Rams are at home. Hughes, what do you think? So part of me wants to sponsor a crossfire on behalf of the model, but <laughs> at the same time, I really don't see how this game doesn't turn out a blowout. And it doesn't even need to be a blowout for them to cover. I mean, and so other than the Rams just showing up and being completely disinterested in playing this game. I, yeah, I think this is an easy cover, easy win. Um, how do you, what's the conversation if you're in the jets meeting room this week and you're like, we're going to play the Rams. We got to travel across the country. We are clearly not in a good place right now. I mean, they're getting crushed by everybody. We got to play a team that has a lot to play for. I mean, again, they're still trying to win certain things within the conference and the division. Like, what does that look like? Is that like a, like, you know, batting down the hatches. Good luck guys. Hope everybody stays healthy. Or is this like, do the jets think they have a chance? And to me, this is a batting down the hatches, stay healthy. Like let's get to the off season type of game for a lot of the guys in that, in that locker room. So yeah, I'm, I I'm thinking unless, unless they can come out again and completely disinterested, maybe jump out to seven, 10, nothing uh, on the Rams and carry themselves to like, we got a chance. This could get ugly early. What do you think Coulter? Yeah, this is a, the best par golf play of the year. I was actually <laughs> doing this to avoid crossfires, but I swerved because I wanted I wanted action. I craved it in week 15. We're not going to have a lot of these more, so I, I went with some more controversial picks. But I definitely did. I think you did the safe thing going with the uh, Rams here. I will say, full disclosure, I'm on the Jets in our pool because I think I'm going to be one of like two or three people that are on the Jets, and this is an opportunity to gain a point in this pool. And now that we only have three weeks left, I'm desperate to move up the standings and try to get to fifth or fourth place and win some money. And so the Jets are my Hail Mary play uh, this week just because I don't think anybody's going to be on them. But I think you laid out a very good handicap. You have uh, – I actually did this a disservice. I, I said that it was Tomlin and, and Taylor, and then it was Zimmer and Nagy. You have a huge coaching mismatch here between McVay and Gase. Uh, you have one guy who really is a genius, I think, and another guy who – has now failed in two different organizations and has created a tire fire and a mess in both of them. Uh, you have a team motivation wise, the Rams Hughes just said they're playing for the NFC championship. 
I, I can't name a team besides maybe the Chiefs who want to repeat, or maybe the Saints too, because of their playoff problems that want the Super Bowl more in this specific year, because financially it's imprudent for the Rams to actually redo this again next year. I think this is a team that's going to lose two or three games off of their win total from 2020 to 2021. They're going to lose a lot of talent. This is their year. They are all in and they have a spot against Seattle, as we've highlighted that they really want to get to that game. So I don't see why they would F around with the jets. Uh, they're going to want to get to a nice, easy 20, 21, zero lead at halftime, if not more. And they're going to want their defense to close it out. Why would they want to make this game interesting? They have a m- massive matchup against uh, Seattle. I see a lot of running. So as long as they can get to that 21, nothing lead and they can run out the clock. I think this is an easy one. I'm going to take the jets in our pool for the reasons I laid out, but I full agreement on the Rams. This is a good play. I think overall. It's a stat game too. Like it, especially being at home. Like if the Rams had had to travel east and like they were kind of pissed about the fact that they had to play in an early spot or something like that, maybe I can see this being a little closer. The fact that the Rams are at home, like these guys, these guys are gonna be like stat game. Goff could use a stat game. I mean, again, like the narrative of where his game's been, you know, at times this year, like this could be a get right game for them. Again, I, I think they've got a level of maturity. Most of those guys played in the Super Bowl. They've got a great coaching staff. The defensive coordinator is going to be probably a head coach now, and he's like 15 years old. It's the most <laughs> unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. Did you guys see him? Like, I was yeah. Like, oh my God. yeah. He's like, I, it, I don't know. I, I'm glad they're giving him. He was a hot commodity. He's changing the he game. He's a hot commodity. They he's found awesome. Him. I love him. Yeah. That defense is awesome. Like, again, I, I hate Ramsey. I hate Ramsey. But it's just because he's so good at what he does. And he's one of those guys that wears it and he carries it and he doesn't care. And that team, they're playing like that right now. And, I, I yeah, I, this could be just an absolute wood chipper game. And, yeah, you could see multiple, multiple big numbers. Because they're going to try and put it up early, too. Because, to your point, they're probably going to want to coast in the second half. Maybe the Jets can come back and slide, slide under the number because it is so huge. Um, but yeah, this, this could be, this could but be I, a bloodbath. I hate to do this to you, Hughes, but last oh week boy. the Rams just beat your paths 24, oh three at home. Are we saying the jets are going to perform Se- better than that? Seriously? <laughs> All of a sudden I thought we were going to, I think, I think Darnold, I think Darnold is a better chance of covering the back door than Cam Newton does. I really do believe that, but I, I don't think that it's going to be an assist. I, I see the game playing out. We're much more like where it was with Seattle last week, where it's 43 than it is 28, three. And then Darnold's trying to throw touchdowns late to cover. I think the game will be way out of hand, similar to like it was with Seattle. But like, if it's 24, three and you're saying Darnold or Newton to come back in the fourth quarter, at least getting you a garbage touchdown. I think you got to go with Darnold at this point, right? Of course. Over and Kansas. I think, yeah. And I think the Pats opportunity to cover is the same as some of the other teams we've talked about where they need to get up early. If the Pats can get up early, there's a yeah. chance that they're, you know, that, that team can come back. But like, again, yeah, the Pats are not a come from behind team. The Jets definitely, I mean, I, yeah, I would say Darnold. I mean, they've got a couple weapons if, as long as Crowder's playing. Um, Darnold homecoming game too. I can already see the dumb announcers talking about that. (laughs) Oh, he's back in Southern California. Blah, 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 blah. His jet for life thing was hilarity. (laughs) Um, The whole thing is a joke. Again, I just, yeah, I, this is going to be, and and again, the Pats, the Pats were in a spot on that Thursday night game. We talked about it. If they wanted to make the playoffs, they had to win out. That was a must win game for the new England Patriots. 
this is not a must win game for the Jets. And therefore, I do think the Rams had a lot more to play for from a – and it's funny. I don't think the Super Bowl payback things a real thing because there's so many different guys that are on the team. But I do think the New England Patriot name as it stands today and the fact that they – Dealt McVeigh and that coaching staff more. The, I think the coaching staff probably had more of the like, I want a Super Bowl payback than any of the players really thought about it. Now, Aaron Donald was running wild. I don't know if you saw the the plate he made on that screen pass. I mean, everybody's blaming Cam Newton. Cam Newton doesn't know what he's doing. No, Aaron Donald made an incredible play, grabbed the running back at the exact time. And, you know, I mean, these are the things that those guys do. And so I'm the Pats season as it stands. I mean, I think we I said it if. You know, I was, I was high on the Pats unless they lost. And again, they, they got crushed. And I think it did show more about the Rams than it showed about the Pats. The Rams are for real. I mean, I, hand up, I had the Rams under win total this year. I just didn't see it. I thought their defense was suspect. Their defense is unbelievable. And again, to Coulter's point, they've got some serious cap things running their way. So they're, this is now or never. Um, they've got a window. They've paid a lot of dudes. And there's other guys that are going to come due. And so I think, yeah, I just... I don't know. I think the Rams, it was tough to watch last Thursday night, but I think the Rams are for real. And I think they've got to be at the top of the power rankings in the NFC, right by the Packers. Um, right Ram, Rams bill Super Bowl is like 38 to one. If we want to get in on it as a podcast. Oh, <laughs> I will say I told the guys earlier, I did throw two Super Bowl futures out this week. One was the bills. One was Tampa. Probably makes sense that I'm on Tampa and Buffalo this week. The emotions are running high. Um, but at the same time, no, I mean, I do think the Rams, I actually didn't look at what the number was. I think it's, it's not, um, 10 to one pretty good. to win the Super Bowl. I mean, wow. I, other than golf, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's up to you. I don't know if you guys want to weigh in on golf, but like that's the only wild card, right? And yeah. the acres looked great again. I mean, the Pats, you could tell the Pats were like, you're going to have to run the ball to beat us, which is weird with golf out there. Um, but clearly that was their game plan. It seemed like, and acres just ran all over them. Well, that's the strength of the Rams offense is that they run those stretch play actions where the, the motions, the actions, everything looks like it's going to be a zone stretch, but they're then able to bootleg off with golf. And if you're taking away the running game and you're daring golf to, to beat you and you don't have to bite on those zone reads, you're not going to fucking do anything against a team that's got a legitimate defense. But if that ground game is going, like you said, Hughes with acres, now all of a sudden you got to respect that run, but your linebackers are going to jump and it opens up that intermediate throw that golf can hit. If it's wide open. Uh, yeah, yeah. it's just golf is, made, is a problem. Yeah. Pats have made a killing stopping the run with their front seven, not having to bring a lot of guys in the box, you know, using safeties at times, but also, you know, like they could not do that. They, I mean, and we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, Coulter, where, where you know we were wondering about the loss of Whitworth and what that was going to mean for the Rams. They have not missed a beat, and he's possibly going to come back. And so, I mean, you're looking at a, maybe a stabilizing force returning for the playoffs. Um, and, you know, at the same time, they've been playing great, running the ball. I'm interested to see Akers has been the hot fantasy ad uh, this week. Does Akers, because he have another one and just run wild all over the Jets? Again, could be another stat game for you fantasy guys out there. Vakers is available still, doubt he is, but doubt, um, yeah. I was able to pick him up in one league. I, I don't know how I got him. I don't want to talk fantasy with you, Hughes. It's a source oh, subject. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Allen, um, quarterback, QB one. Listen, listen. I I haven't been that mad in in a while. You know, we're. Wild. In, since, the, since since Nick Chubb ran out of bounds like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I had, what 
I had five games in that in this season in that league under two points. I think in terms of decided factor. That it's was a wild. Really, like, it's not a good parody. Yeah, it's been a really good uh, good league in terms of matchups. But we we, we do decimals and we had two ties. <sighs> what are the odds that two guys tied in a decimal? We had decimals for rushing yards and receiving, and we tied yeah. two ties. Absolutely brutal. Mathematical. Um, I was going to say here, do we want to uh, end with some unplanned uh, college football talk? We got a big matchup, Clemson, Notre Dame for the ACC championship. Uh, I'm looking right now, line open at seven and a half. It's now up to ten and a half for Clemson. Obviously, they played each other early in the year. No Trevor Lawrence in that first matchup. Hughes, you got any thoughts on this game? Games in Charlotte, right? I think it's yeah. neutral site. Um, are there going to be, I don't I assume there's going to be fans at Charlotte. I mean, they, you know, they don't really care about anything in North Carolina. <laughs> no offense to anybody from North Carolina. Um, I, all right. So I'm on Clemson. I hate Notre Dame hand up. I'm an anti Irish guy. I mean, I'm a Michigan fan at heart. Um, so I've always hated the golden domers. Um, and, and I also think, I, I mean, Ian books had a great year. Uh, it's been a great story. I hate Brian Kelly too. Gosh, man, there's a lot about Notre Dame. I don't like, um, but at the same time, I do think getting Trevor Lawrence back, I think Dabo Dabo has been looking for this type of game since that, since they played up there. And I feel like he feels like it, it just feels like this could be a Dabo game, but again, Notre Dame is, they've got some players and I think people in, you know, have underestimated what they've been able to bring to the table this year. So it being up to 10 and a half is crazy. Though. I mean, like maybe take Notre Dame just, with a, I mean, you got plenty of points to play with. What do you think? Colter? Oh yeah. No, if you, if you think the team can win straight up and you take the 10 and a half points and Notre Dame's already proven that they can beat Clemson. I don't give a crap who the hell the quarterback was Clemson's uh, I'm drawing a blank of the, the kid who played. He's a five-star he good. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 And he played, I mean, he played on. well, like that's a high scoring game. It wasn't his fault that they lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watched that game closely. It was great game. Uh, the fact that Notre Dame's getting 10 and a half is absurd. They could easily win the game outright. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily Dabo's best Clemson team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I know that they steamrolled them in the playoffs two years ago, or was it a year ago? They won like 38 nothing yeah, in the semifinal. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they have history that you know, Dabo can clearly outcoach uh, Kelly, and I'm not a Kelly guy at all, but this is just a number play. I mean, I watched the game. Yeah. These two are basically, even in my mind, you add Lawrence in there, maybe you get two, three points for Clemson or maximum. Uh, you're saying 10 and a half and a neutral. I'm taking the points. 10 and a half. Yeah. That, that's a weird, weird line. Yeah. I'm also taking the 10 and a half. It's, a, it's a huge number. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of college football this year, but I was glued to that first matchup that they had. Yeah. It was really so compelling. Same way. Yeah. It was a great game. Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't think Notre Dame is that bad. Ten and a half is ten so and a half. I mean, you, like you said, Coulter, the quarterback, especially a guy like Lawrence, you're you're going to get points for that. But this is to me a huge overvalue here on Clemson. I'd like Clemson money line if they're going to win the game. Uh, those odds are going to be pretty pretty high. Yeah. Spreads ten and a half. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth touching. But I, I do like Notre Dame plus ten and a half just because their defense is good enough. And Book, for whatever reason, he's <laughs> I hate Book, but the guy just can compete and like he keeps their, their team in games. I don't think they get blown out very much. So 10 and a half is a huge number. Uh, I, I definitely would like to see them cover that spread. Yeah. Normally you're an opposing defensive player. Oh, sorry. You just go ahead. 
No, no. Normally, I don't bet on on the Irish, but I, I will say, like, the more we're kind of thinking about this, I just feel like too they have way more like of an incentive to get to the playoff. Like these, this team hasn't gotten there. It's probably, I mean, like, 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 I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they got to make a run. Like, there's the the nostalgia of this, you know, like get, getting Notre Dame football back. I think they've been close. Again, they haven't fared well in the playoff when they've made it. Um, and I think if th- this is a de facto playoff game too, I, I mean, I got to imagine they're not putting Clemson in with two losses to the same team. Like that's not going to happen. So, I mean, I don't know. I think there's, I, I, I am starting to talk myself into maybe throwing a little, uh, throwing a little green on the Irish. Okay. Okay. Uh, last topic while we're on college football, because you said the name there, Bill, it's your team. Are you getting rid of Harbaugh? I think I told you this, like, what was that week three or four when they got blown the hell out? I said, that's it for Harbaugh. And you said, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, uh, my friend. Here's my official take, um, and I'll, I'll run this down real quick. I think that Michigan, as an athletic department, I think in Michigan as a university, has figured out that they don't necessarily want to commit to trying to be Ohio State or Alabama or Texas. And I think they've realized that the slot that they want to be is they want to be the best Northwestern in the country. And I, that may sound, but like, I think they're more committed to having a consistently good football program. So I think what, what I've heard, they're going to try and restructure Jim Harbaugh's contract. They're going to try and pay him less money. He's I think the sixth or seventh highest paid coach in the country. And they are going to try Cause again, they haven't been bad. He has not had a losing season. He has not beaten Ohio state. That's obviously a huge mark and they're not a playoff team. And I think that that's ultimately what the team, the alumni and ultimately the country needs to realize is that maybe Michigan isn't committed to trying to be a playoff team every year. There may be years where they're good enough to make a run and win the big time and to beat Ohio state. But I think the, the days of Michigan trying to compete at that level and trying to go up against those guys, I think they, they think of themselves as a higher ed, you know, like they, they, there's a hoity twittiness to people that go to Michigan and the way that they carry it similar to some of the other big 10 schools. And I don't think they want to be a football school. Like, I think they want to be good at football, but again, I think that's the take. And that's why I think they try and keep Harbaugh because they will not get a coach better than Jim Harbaugh. I do not care what anybody says. I do not care what anybody puts in. Maybe they think that Jim Harbaugh snakes. I do not agree. I saw early signing day today. They brought in some, uh, they got a running back, the highest running back that they've gotten in like the last 20 years. He's an in-state kid. He's going to be awesome. He's a four-star um, I think he was the like 67th overall on the ESPN boards. They've gotten some other really good recruits. They've gotten good recruits. They were the number they were tied with LSU or they were tied for second with number of guys drafted last year in this past draft. It's not in a bad place. They just haven't beat the teams that everybody assumes will lead to a coach getting fired. I don't think Michigan's that team right now. I think they try and keep Harbaugh. I think he stays. I think they bring it back. They've got one of the, one of the highest rated quarterbacks that they've ever brought in is coming in. Um, so again, I don't think it, I don't think the wheels are off. This year has been a nightmare. I totally agree. And I think that there were a lot of people that were like, it can't, this can't be what, what Michigan football is, but Penn state went through it. Other teams are going through it. COVID has been the weirdest thing in the world. They've had to cancel games. I mean, shoot, you had Herb street accusing them of, of bailing on the Ohio state game after Ohio state had to cancel games himself. Like, this is like, it's not fair to a lot of these guys. And like, again, Michigan's not where it needs to be um, as an, as, as a program, but like, I think they'll get back and I think they keep Harbaugh, but I don't think they'll ever be Ohio State. Ohio State is at a at a level now that I don't think they were 10 years ago when Jim Trussell, maybe Jim Trussell started the revolution. Yeah. But Urban Meyer took this team to a place that no other Big Ten team will ever be, in my opinion. They are an, a de facto SEC team in a lot of ways. And I think you've seen that in how they recruit the dudes they bring in. 
I mean, there's 100,000 people that go to Ohio State. It's one of the biggest schools in the country. They can get in any kid that they want to get in to play football. And I just think that that's different. And I think that they're going to try and compete at that level every year, and I just don't think Michigan's there. Sounds like they want to be an academic institution and not a football institution. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, no, I think, I think that's part of it. I think, I think that that is definitely a part of what Michigan thinks is important about who Michigan is. Um, and I think that, and again, maybe that's a little bit like, I think that's you know, a, a little snobbish in my opinion. I didn't go to Michigan either. So like, I mean, this isn't like me, like I'm, I have my degree on the wall. I mean, but at the same time, I do think that they see themselves as this like Northwestern S school. And like, do you think Northwestern's going to compete for playoff runs? No, but they, no. they shit. They might this year. Yeah. They could win the Big Ten, and that's what I think Michigan wants. They want the, that one, one or two runs every ten years where they're like in the conversation about the playoff. I don't think they think they can compete every year for the playoff. And I think the Ohio State's a wagon right now. I just, they have every, dude, did you see they brought in the number one quarterback again? Yeah. So they, yeah. two years in a row, they've got the number one player in the country going to Ohio State. Like it's a, their recruiting is on a different, different level. Don't you think though, the better comparison is Notre Dame? Like how can Notre sure. Dame be able to do it that Michigan can't? Again, Notre Dame as an independent is, is it helps them schedule wise. So I think it helps position them to have, I don't want to say less tough games. That's not fair. Clemson's great. They do play hard, but I mean, they're playing the service academies and doing some other stuff. And yes, no, I mean, Notre Dame is a good comp. I think the Michigan Notre Dame rivalry is always fun. And I think that, yeah, that is where they should slot in, in terms of the guy, the teams that they're recruiting against. Okay. That's fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, we had a good episode. I like the ending there a little back and forth. We'll put this out there. See what people think about Michigan because they're, they're a lightning rod. People uh, have opinions both ways. Even if I was going to say as a third third party perspective, I love everything that Hughes just said, but I think, and Kaz, you you can chime in too, because you're more like me where we're not like Michigan fans. I think everything you just said is fine and dandy Hughes, but like, can we stop then? If, like, we, if we all agree that Mi- Michigan's doing this like two out of every ten years, they're going for Big Ten ch- title game. Can we stop this? Like, uh, let's put them front and center and treat them as if they're like Texas and Florida and all this shit. Because it's like that's where I get annoyed. Because it's like you're you're a mediocre Big Ten school and you're basically just saying that. And but then it's like then you also want to get treated like the big boys. It's just like, well, if you want to be treated like the Northwesterns, I'm all for that. But like, let's take. Let's take all everyone needs to step back a notch because then you're admitting that you're not Texas at that point, right? You can't yes. be so, you can't act like Texas and then want to respect like Texas and then not perform like or in Texas is a bad comparison. I'm, uh, I'm you know what I'm yeah. saying, like a traditional yeah, yeah, yeah. school no, that's sure. like a powerhouse. I but I do think there are some schools that are that are in that conversation and I don't like it's an interesting play. And I, and yes, no, I agree. I don't think I don't think they see themselves as Northwestern either. So that was I think they see themselves as the best version of Northwestern. Like they think of, or like Stanford, maybe Stanford is the best. Stanford. Yeah. That's what a good Michigan time. wants to be. Like, yeah. I think they want to be. And I'm more than willing to give Michigan Stanford territory. Cause I liked when Stanford was good. Like yeah. the Michigan thing, I feel like is obnoxious because they're everywhere every year. And then they're like seven and six. It's, it's like the right. NFC East. It's like enough whoa, NFC East whoa, on Sunday whoa, football. Whoa, whoa. Do we have to go there at this point in the pod? Come well, on. they are because Michigan plays football like the NFC East. They're ugly. Right. It's like it's That's defense true. run for it's it's run first defense style ugly ground and pound stuff. No, I I, I don't disagree, and I, and I I think that one ESPN does this with certain schools. Yes. Like, it, and, and also, I mean, it's why it's why they talk about the Cowboys every year. Like they know that these fan bases have reach. 
I mean, I think it's why the Big Ten was willing to take in Rutgers and willing to take in Maryland because they realize that they have alumni all over the place. And Michigan's one of the biggest alumni reach schools that they have from like those big metropolitan cities, right? I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to harken back on like the, the focus on education, but I do think like they see a huge market for Michigan in New York City. They see a huge market for Michigan on the East Coast because they have a number of transplants of people that live there. I mean, Dave Portnoy, head of Barstool Sports, went to Michigan, right? He's been heavy on the train that Michigan should cancel football. Like, you know, stuff like that, I think. But they have they have that kind of name, brand. And, and I agree with you. I think that is old school, and that is not the 21st century version of Michigan. And I think people, again, they've played in games that matter, and I think they'll continue to play in games that matter. But to compare themselves – and I think the Ohio State rise has also been – the other big thing for Michigan that's been hard for them to swallow is like, they've always looked at it being a rivalry. It has not been a rivalry. Like this has been a one-sided endeavor that has been blowout after blowout. And I don't think it has to do with the fact that Michigan has bad players. I think Ohio state has really, really good teams. Urban Meyer is one of the greatest recruiters and coaches that's ever been in college football. Can Ryan day keep it up so far? So good. I think Ryan day is a great coach. Um, I don't know if he can keep sustain it forever, but Urban Meyer, I think, you know, wherever he lands, there's rumors he's going to Texas. I don't know if that's going to happen. Herman, they're saying they're bringing Herman back, but like, shit, what was that buyout? Who just got, who just got fired? It was like a, the buyout was incredible. Like these schools, like they almost can't fire some of these guys. Like yeah, the it's, it's, so big, yeah. it's insane. But like, you know, I saw that the Supreme court's going to hear uh, college athletes. Um, case yeah, I saw that. 2021. Yeah. So I mean, we could see a change in the landscape, too. Like, I don't know if I always thought that the European soccer model would be interesting for college football, have relegation, have a higher tier. And you bring in the bottom 10, you get rid of or you get rid of the bottom 10, you bring up the top 10 and you have some type of tiered system that allows the schools that want to invest in football as their main course of of sport to play in that level. Let, let's see Ohio state play Alabama. Let's not see Alabama play Jackson state. Like I don't know. We don't need if COVID has proven anything. It's that they should get rid of all that stuff. They yeah. should get rid of all these. And I think, I know it helps the little guys have a fucking controlled scrimmage. I mean, I don't mean to curse, but like, like let's like you can do other things for some of these small schools. You don't have to have one of Alabama's games eaten up by playing some patsy play, play real teams. Like let's see everybody play everybody and see what happens. Cause I think that would be people talk about expand the playoff. I'd rather see, but isn't that, isn't that where the moneymaker is though? Hughes, like if they play Jackson state, they can bring in all the alumni and they beat Jackson state 70, nothing. Everyone feels good on a September afternoon. Isn't that kind of the part of the reason why they do it? Yes. But I think they could, I think they could shift the dynamic where if they, if they had, say you took the top 55 schools or maybe even top 45 schools and you put them in a con in, in some type of oh, no, I, controlled I totally, environment, I think it'd be, be kind of cool. Happened. And I think they could right. generate, I think they could generate it. Cause I think you could still have the mission. So say Michigan's not in that top tier, Michigan versus Weber state would be interesting. To, I mean, like that would still, I think that would still be an alumni draw. I don't think, you know, I, I, people watch what, what we got bowls coming up. It's crazy. I saw the, you know, like some of these weird bowls are happening again. The Boca Raton bowl. Let's go. <laughs> like trot it out. I mean, I don't know. They, the money's there on TV. I mean, and gambling. I don't know if you guys saw the numbers out of, out of New Jersey. Um, New Jersey's going to break the record for the highest amount of sports bets placed in a state. Um, in yeah, their first Vegas, full year. They're dwarf Vegas. It's unbelievable. That's and wild. so like, I mean, once some of these other states start pumping it out, there's going to be even more of a draw for like, Let's get these games. I mean, yeah, whoever, they don't even care. I mean, people are betting on European, whatever, tennis. Yeah. They don't care. 
I've never or have not heard the uh, the the soccer model. I really like that for college football. I think that's got legs. I think it could be cool. Again, I think it, it just gives you an opportunity to give teams at the bottom a chance to get up and play yeah. with the big boys, and it gives the big boys a chance to get up there and play each other. Yeah. Um, and and again, it'll pr- I was like, you see, like, uh, you know, does it matter that Mississippi and Mississippi State play in the Egg Bowl every year? I mean, sure, <laughs> you could still have that, but like, no, I mean, it's not that important no. anymore. I don't think. Not at all. All right, gentlemen, great episode. This is number 91 in the books. Wow. Coming close to that century mark. We'll have to think of something good for uh, for the 100th are episode. We, are we going to hit 100 at the Super Bowl? It's, that, it's lined is that up one closely. Week, is that one week too short? We've got two weeks of the regular, regular season, season left. Yeah. Are they still doing the week in between? I don't know the answer to that. I think so. I think that was built okay. in as like a, uh, you know, just the in case we could move Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess they still have that week in between, but I'm sure we could find a way to make this happen. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do there. Uh, great episode, guys. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.